Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about Final Destination 3 on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from... They never tell us. Is it Sawsville, USA, Canada? It kind of feels like it. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all the goriest of details of Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, Final Destination 3, in the hopes that a young graduate's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. As always, there's only one person I trust to make sure she's tied down that horse before we have a kebab. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I just want you to know, Patrick, that uh, when when you die, I will make mm-hmm. sure to show up at your funeral with a PSP. Oh my God, I wrote that down. It's like you're in my head. <laughs> I I did wonder... How is he going to enjoy that PSP? Is he just going to slip it into the casket or is he going to be, you know, if, if he's going to have his remains consumed by fire and remain but ashes, is he going to put it, you know, on top of the urn? Lewis isn't a bright boy. <laughs> this is true. He's He's got a lot of muscles, though, in all the wrong places. But we will get to that. I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have two very special guests. You might know them from their own show, Inside the Idiot Box, but I know them as two of my oldest friends, the ones, the onlys, Dennis Satterfield and Scott Berklin. Welcome to the show, boys. Hey, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having us. And uh, I just want to go on the record saying all of my muscles are also in the wrong places. (laughs) That's true. I feel a kinship with this movie. Yeah, uh, that is the one, the only thing that ties you to the things behind this motion picture. And so, um, as is tradition here on the Kill by Kill pod, when we are talking about a franchise, we like to know what our guest experiences are with that franchise. I'll go to you, Dennis, first. What was your first brush with Final Destination? So, the first time I watched a Final Destination movie is when... Um, you messaged me and said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> really? <laughs> I have zero, zero familiarity with this franchise, other okay. than I know that it exists. Yeah, well, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I think I'm glad that I slipped into the third installment. Oh, that's uh, the best way to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the third one's generally when things get going, when things start cooking, uh, when, you know, the formula is in place. And so all you have to do is just, have a bunch of young people show up and have them killed off in various ways. Even though the last one, all the young people were killed immediately and we were left with bereft adults. You did say young in air quotes, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have things to say. (laughs) (laughs) They're young in terms of Canadian actors. And uh, Scott, what what is your, uh, you know, past relationship with Final Destination? So I got to say, same as Dennis, names reversed. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this this was my first experience. Um, You know, I'm a huge horror fan and 
this series for whatever reason had just never been one that I had gotten into. And um, all of it I know about, I know about through horror pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a fair amount of awareness on it and even knew some key plot points from the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, but three is honest to God, the first time I've sat down and watched one. And what a watch it is. I mean, what a watch uh, to, you know, put a little um, history behind this and there's not much to it. But the the first one is you're, you've got two X-File vets who are just hot. They, the industry is like, these people know what they're doing. And they uh, take over a script and they refine it down and they make that first Final Destination movie. And it's gangbusters. They go away uh, for the second one. They don't want anything to do with it. And the director here, James Wong, designs to make a movie that I enjoy, but probably not for the right reasons, called The One with Chet Lee, in which it's a multiverse movie in which he does a lot of karate fights with himself. <laughs> he is the one. He is all. the one. Um, and that was um, roundly ignored by the movie going public. They didn't want anything to do with it, despite having Jet Li at his... Um, kickingest and uh so they they go back to the drawing board and they end up uh being a part of a movie called willard and uh, willard is actually directed by uh, glenn morgan his partner um but was will was this the crispin glover willard this is the crispin glover ah. which I remember fondly. I have not watched since. I, Gina, you're a fan, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. actually enjoy it a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it knows what it wants to be, and it's very good at being a Willard movie. And I think that kind of surprised at the box office and did pretty well. But they're still on their back heel, as it were. And so when New Line comes to them and said, hey, you're working with us on Willard, why don't you just take a stab at the script for Final Destination 3? And so they write the script and Wong likes it enough that at this point he's like, you know what? Uh, Why don't I just direct it? Because I know what the script is. I know how to make these movies. Maybe we make it in 3D. They decide not to do that. They just go forward with the movie they have in 2D. And (laughs) this is the result. Um, Wong would go on the same year to release Black Xmas, which we have covered on the show. And that is fucking (laughs) dire. Well, you know, I I like uh like Scott and Dennis. This was actually the first time I'd watched this movie from beginning to end as well. Mm -hmm. Um uh after the first movie, uh I kind of thought to myself, you know, I I get it, I get the point. And Mm -hmm. I basically just watched the highlights of the movies, which of course are the spectacular death scenes. And so I, I knew going in, you know, about the, the tanning bed and the, the, the nails to the back of the head and all that. And then I, you know, I sat down and I was amazed that that's all there is. <laughs> like the other hour and 10 minutes that's mm-hmm. not people being horrifically killed is yeah. like a blank. It's static. <laughs> like, like there's not a, a drop of effort made in establishing who these people are, where this is taking place, you know, you know, okay, there is a headstone that says 2005, and also I think one of the 
Tanning Bed Girls is supposed to be kind of riffing on Paris Hilton. So that's the only yeah. that's the only you know, thing that really places any sort of real time and place. Sure. Just like it is like a delivery system for just these kills. Yes. Uh, and it's weird that these two decided to go in, in that direction because the first film has characters. The second film um, has characters. And this movie has a character and bodies, just bodies <laughs> with hair and some clothes, <laughs> but always enough midriff that you see everything from the top of the pubis mound to about the belly button. <laughs> it's 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 trying. You know, one of the notes that I made uh, when I was watching it was it's almost hitting like some of the scream archetypes in yeah. the, the characters. Mm-hmm. But then it just doesn't, it, you know, it, that is the story of this movie is it starts things and then does nothing with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that they have, you know, every every you know, horror movie, certainly you know, a, a you know, and then there were none kind of set up horror movie, mm-hmm. you know, has you know one character that's you know, kind of an asshole the audience is happy to see die. This movie has two, <laughs> and that's all you can really say for them. One of whom becomes a villain out of nowhere, which yes, we'll yes. get to. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, it's not. It, it's weirdly just like these people fit into various molds but they're never really trying to make them any more than that. They just like port over, uh, you know, a dumb blonde stereotype and someone out of an American pie direct video sequel. <laughs> and, and they, they just like arrive in this motion picture and they're put in these situations, but we never know them. And they barely know each other is the other component, which is a sort of a carryover from two. Whereas, at least in the first one, they're aware of one another. They may not yeah. all be friends, but they're they're aware of each other's existence. Here, they're, I would say, even less aware of one another's existence. Yeah, it's incredibly happenstance how they all end up it, like in this, you know, same situation together. Yeah. And at this point, it has become quite clear to me that Final Destination has got to be one of the whitest ass franchises and and horror history it is just massively the caucasity of it all (laughs) everyone in the film looks like they have graduated from disney channel high wait a second they have one black guy give them a true that that is cat that is a fact they have one black guy and the actor's name is texas battle yes great name great great fantastic name name. Uh, oddly enough not just a character from a Key and Peel East versus West <laughs> college football introduction sketch. A real person who had, you know, that's I don't a, know if he still has a career, but had a career for quite a while. That, that's with a the name. name you, that's Texas a name you, fucking battle. That's a name you give a child if you want them to grow up to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or it's the name you put print on a T-shirt if you can't get the rights to the Alamo. <laughs> you know <laughs> Texas battle one when you can't afford if, the Alamo <laughs> one wonders if the, the Texas's you know parents said everyone will remember this kid's name Alamo and the, the doctor's like I'm sorry that's co- that's copywritten there's no way that's gonna get passed damn everybody remembers the Alamo <laughs> thought we had it on lock I'm Texas just hopeful battle? that's the real name and he never changed it um, I'm obsessed with Aloe Black 
and the fact mm-hmm. that his birth name is Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins the third. <laughs> because I feel like if you're born with that name, damn it, you keep that name. So mad props to him for keeping Texas Battle if that is in fact his real name. <laughs> um so yeah, uh let's let's run through our characters ever so quickly. They're introduced to us as they're at some sort of graduation night at a theme park, which is also a county fair, but has permanent (laughs) roller coasters. Yes. And Um, a guy who just dances around aimlessly on the midway as entertainment, which what carnival doesn't have that. As far as a character interaction goes, random guy just dancing (laughs) seems like I'm not spending a lot of money. Like is someone running him? Does he have a a set list that he goes out to like for this 15 minutes? Yeah. What are his set times? Like, does he, how long are his breaks? Like I wonder all these things. Does someone from entertainment like check on him (laughs) throughout the day or there's, He's just randomly out there grooving. He's uh, the second black character. Uh, that we have to revise our statement. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Yeah, he sorry. doesn't have a name, though. No, well, he do, does we, not do we get points for Tony Todd? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Tony Todd okay. shows up as a vocal performance um, after appearing on screen the last two times. Uh, last time he got a smoke filled entrance, and this time he's just voicing a giant devil statue. And is um, behind the mic of a, a New York City salsa train. I don't know what yeah. that is. Sure, yeah. Uh, it, it, but it's not as Canadian as the train in Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. It does seem to be trying to evoke New York. <laughs> not sure. <laughs> Cleanest graffiti I've ever seen. <laughs> it's very true. Um, so let's start with Wendy. Wendy is um, our protagonist. She's a total control freak who would not be able to handle having a dick for a boyfriend like a normal girl would. She wants a normal guy with hair that just goes where it wants to go. That's the kind of girlfriend she is. Um, And of course, uh, she's, you know, the only one who kind of comes out of this with a career because it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's a real actress who is able to portray emotion on screen and she is rewarded for this and i'm going to reveal this now this i believe is the core behind this film one of the filmmakers involved in this gets off sexually by having blood splash on her face there's no (laughs) other reason that five separate fucking times in this motion picture she has gore splash on her face it's a weird thing that a lot of the deaths here involve blood on her face for yes i'm glad i was not the only one that noticed (laughs) that it's strangely sexual yes (laughs) the way it's portrayed in the film it is odd why this and it keeps happening like she's able to shower off unlike the last movie gina See, oh, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, she does not stop to to take a bath in a, in a high school. You know, the <laughs> the, the, the place we all As like to do. take baths in high school. She's allowed to just go home and and maybe wash her face off in in a restroom nearby. But the next place she goes to, she's getting a face full of blood again, <laughs> and it's 
around the third time, I'm like, this this is a thing for someone. And I need to find out who that person the third, is. The third time when she approaches someone that you tell them what's going on, I feel like she should have like some sort of like face shield on. Yeah. <laughs> Just come very, very precariously come up to them. Or, or stand about her. or stand about 10 feet away. Hey, you're about to be killed. Why are you standing so far away? Yeah. I'd come closer, but this is a new outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it does do give you... her a lot of motivation to look at things and gulp, though, yeah. which is she's wow. very good at. Yes. Yeah, she's she's trying. She's trying to fill this in with human emotion, but it would have been harder for her to do with a, you know, welder's helmet on. But I feel like that would have saved her a lot of, you know, the ill will of this motion picture, constantly splashing her with gore. And it's, it, I don't know. We'll get into it as we go, because every other death, I'm like, what the fuck is going on with her and gore in her face? All right. So, uh, Wendy's boyfriend, Jason, we don't need to really know who he is. Wait, why not? Why don't you want to get more intimately? Uh, his hair really knows where it wants to go and he ends up in the front of a roller coaster that crashes and, uh, that's it. He doesn't, (laughs) he wears a jacket. He has a shirt on. That's about Uh all we learn about him. My notes were doughy faced blonde guy, Wendy's (laughs) boyfriend, question mark. (laughs) It is up for debate. And then his friend is Kevin, who's a sexually repressed potato, given the gift of life from a terrible blue fairy. And um, (laughs) Kevin has a journey. He goes from someone you hate to someone you hate who seems to maybe if he lived might become half normal, but truly starts this movie on a heinous note. Well, and he and Wendy hate each other. Don't don't make any mistake. We never see that. (laughs) <laughs> but it gets said a couple of times. I mean, his behavior demonstrates that he is not a person that she would like to spend time with. And I, for one, resent the fact that I have to spend time with. Well, they do start him uh, with taking upskirt photos. So, yes. you know, and then indicating not in the best light and then indicating no. that he would buy more yearbooks if they possessed upskirt photos inside of those high school yearbooks. <laughs> it's OK. They're all 30. I'm, I'm just That's telling you. Uh, Kevin dies, but if he did live, he would own NFTs right now. <laughs> oh, for sure. A hundred percent. And then we have Kevin's girlfriend, Carrie. Carrie is going to break up with Kevin in a few weeks. And then we learned that Kevin was going to propose to Carrie. So they're living very parallel lives within their <laughs> high school relationship. He's like, I need to get married right out of high school. And she's like, I need to dump this asshole, but I want to get through graduation first. That's her priority. It's kind of sad, too, because we, the audience, learned that when Carrie and, and Wendy are talking to each other. And later on down the line, when I guess Wendy and Kevin don't hate each other as much mm-hmm. and they're starting to sort of get along and, and chat. Yeah, yes. he sort of, in remembrance of, of Carrie, says, you know, I was going to re- propose to that girl. And we don't really hear, I guess we were supposed to feel bad about it. Uh, I, I kind of yeah, don't know why. Didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> well, because they, they, they spend so little time developing these characters. It's like, yeah. oh, all right. You were a couple. All right. Yeah. 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 Take our word for it. <laughs> I guess good for Carrie for dodging that bullet and dying. Yes. <laughs> I, she's saved by a roller coaster accident. She took the mm-hmm. easy way out is what yes. you're saying. <laughs> And while she wasn't one to confront 
uncomfortable situations. We we learn that much about her before her head smacks into iron. Anyways, uh, Wendy, we learn, is taking photographs for the yearbook with a very tiny, old-fashioned digital camera. And for some reason, it does make sounds like an old-timey flash powder camera. <laughs> yes. Which it, I know yes. they never quite explain. Right. At one point, they introduce a photograph of Lincoln. And I'm like, <laughs> did they take the photo with the same powder-based flash? Because <laughs> like that's what the noise was. Yeah, that's why it's It all makes sense now. <laughs> Every time she takes a digital photograph, it's very odd. Um, but how else would you convey that she's taking a photograph? Just That's true. People wouldn't know otherwise. It's like the record scratch these days where a lot of people don't know, you know, what it is, but they know what it signifies. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she's taking photographs and she looks over and we're introduced to the back, the asses, really, of Ashlyn <laughs> and Ashley uh, from Dust to Dust. And... Uh, on Wednesdays, they're we they wear pink, and if they wear sweatpants on any other day than Friday, you can't sit with them. Those are the rules. The names did make me laugh. I will give them that. I was like, Ashley and Ashlyn, that's funny. I think there was a first draft to this, 100%. Like, these two guys know how to write a fucking script. I just don't think they had enough time to give it that final polish that really solidifies. Uh, you know, it's not egregious. This is not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I would even call it maybe my second favorite, which I shudder to say out loud and get it. Because don't we have like five more of these to no, go? No, there's only two more. There's only two more. And the next one is the worst by every single measure. That's going to be a real... Nightmare on Elm Street remake style episode. Yes. I promise our audience because that, I did listen to you guys talk too, and and that did not make me want to go out and watch it. So <laughs> I feel like I got what I needed to get out of the podcast. Yeah, I I they they just don't do anything for me, and I can't really put my finger on why. Because I understand these are very popular yeah. with other horror fans, but mm -hmm. I'm just like, mm, I guess, sure, I guess. I think they don't overstay their welcome. They're not. Oh yeah, I mean bad. that's that's definitely for this movie. A one one high point is it's like zip zip zip. It like it does not yes. waste a second no. on anything. It just no. well, it just gets right into it. And as a series, the simplicity of the concept is so brilliant. It really is a great concept, mm -hmm. and that's a little bit where this film nosedives when it nosedives is trying to make it more than it is, mm -hmm. you know, and just not keeping it simple, which is, you know, that that is what appeals to me about this series is just the simplicity of the notion of it. Here's the good news. I've located a second motivating factor, a through line throughout this motion picture that clarifies what it's really about deep down. And that's women's underwear. This movie <laughs> is fucking obsessed with women's underwear to the point which and other points in the movie, they just will go through a person's bedroom and there's a pile of underwear there. And you're like, why? What? We've all seen women's underwear. It's not that fucking cool. It's okay. I, I like the women attached to that underwear more. But this movie really wants to examine what were women wearing under their pants and skirts in 2005. And you get all the fucking answers. They were grounding it. You know, yes. you know, that's think, where the realism comes in. Yeah, I think that women's underwear, probably not that interesting, but 
blood splattered women's underwear. Oh. Now you got me. <laughs> Jackpot. Now you got me. <laughs> so they're all going to go to a, a roller coaster. And if there's yes. one thing that I feel like, oh, maybe this movie gets me. And that is they are prioritizing a fast pass. They understand the power of it. <laughs> and they want to make the most of it. And so on their way to the roller coaster, Wendy's continuing to take pictures for the yearbook. And she bumps into Julie, Wendy's little sister. And by little, I mean she's 25. When uh, uh, <laughs> Wendy is like, what are you doing here? You haven't graduated. I'm like, she, ha- she hasn't? <laughs> College? <laughs> yeah. Like, like she, she is her younger sister, so she's got to be like, let's assume fifteen or sixteen. No, oh, and, yeah. and I'm like, who are you fucking kidding, movie? Yeah, they're Irish <laughs> twins at best, but also like the only thing she hasn't graduated from is like with a doctorate. She's not youthful <laughs> in that way, and that's fine. That's the reality of the movie, but. It is a little odd that they are very insistent that they be in high school. I, I must um, say this. The uh, the first 15 minutes uh, of this movie, uh, when I watched it the first time, because I had to watch it a couple of times, kind of glazed me over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hard to kind of pay attention and, and focus on who was who. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Julie again at their house, for some reason, I thought she was the older sister. <laughs> and you're not going to fault me for... for making that mistake because I, I, you know what? I'm going to look it up on IMDb right now. I want to see who out of these two actors are older. Uh, Settle this once and for all, Dennis. I'll I'll get back to you guys. Well, I I had the same issue of the interchangeability of everybody. And I, it wasn't until the second like viewing that I started to pick up on who was who and what was happening. Uh, The, the real signifier for our audience that they need to know is that when Julie is introduced, she is dressed like rerun from what's happening. (laughs) Not, not rerun from what's happening now. Yes. Well, this is distinctly a what's happening era rerun. Uh, (sighs) She looks like she's about to throw her arms out and do a little dance. Uh, She's got a jaunty cap and she won't be the only one. And it is at this point, that I began signifying what what band were these people chosen from? Like, <laughs> they all seem to be some 2000s era power punk person, and they've been plucked out of each of those individual bands and placed into this movie in a fictionalized fashion. Well, in, in, like, keeping, in keeping with the scriptwriter's desire to, you know, keep the audience at arm's length from getting to know these characters in any appreciable way, uh, Julie's most uh, pressing characteristic is that she is angry all the time about something. Yeah. Yes. She, you know, she twice, you know, gives the double birds to a character because, you know, she does not like being told, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Even, even you know when several people have been horrifically killed. Yeah. She's just constantly, she's constantly has an attitude at, at all times. Another beheaded individual is Frankie. He was the aforementioned oh, American Pisces oh, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, but you you got to go full name though, Patrick. Oh, that's true. It's Franklin C. Cheeks Esquire, I believe. <laughs> oh. Frankie oh. Cheeks um, is his name. And he declares, well, we're told, that he graduated two years before everyone else, but is exactly the same age as everyone there. Yes. And if I were to sum up his character 
it is that he probably has a framed Britney Spears first Rolling Stone cover and he's framed it and he's put it in, in his room and it's probably not clean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we meet Aaron, who is a redhead, and I'm sure she has other qualities, but I'm not sure we're ever shown that on screen. So there's that. And then I'm going to guess that what they cast um, Ian based on, he's our resident death obsessed, unconvincing goth, is that the producers pointed at an album cover of Buck Cherry and stated, I don't know, <laughs> we'll take one of those. <laughs> Yeah, you want to you put big old air quotes around the word God. Yes. My uh, note on Ian was discount Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> A steep, steep discount, which yes, is all, saying something. All the Jamie Kennedy, half the calories. Uh, Jamie Kennedy given a die job. <laughs> and so now all these people, including Lewis, the character we mentioned before, who's a big tough guy who hits a mallet. I don't know. Fucking it, it, who cares? They all go to a roller coaster. They all they all go past everyone else who's in line because they have a fast pass at this county fair. And we get to see a lot of that queue. And guys, I've seen some shitty queues in my <laughs> theme park experience, including that one at Islands of Adventure at Universal in Florida that's just a red hallway. It's just, <laughs> you take a left and there's a red hallway. And you're like, you didn't even paint this? It's just a red hallway. This is worse because this this roller coaster is devil themed, but there's a lot of skeletons. Yes. Yeah. You got to <laughs> choose one in my mind. If you may, listen, I'm I'm pro skeleton. We are a skeleton oh, yeah. plus podcast. We enjoy skeletons. But if you state up front that this is a devil themed roller coaster, I don't want to see a bunch of skeletons. That's not making anything cool. Well, I figure this is the new hell that they're <laughs> pitching here because when they get to the load platform, somebody gets directed to row six uh -huh. and they do this slow dolly in on the six. And I was like, did something change? Like, is <laughs> is just one six the new six six yeah, six? I, was, and I, I, I missed it. Like, I kept waiting for like another six to appear. I, I totally. I'm like, not a six. <laughs> You it was upside number, down. It was really row nine. <laughs> you know, people encounter the number six on a daily basis. It's, it's not something that immediately struck, strike terror into one heart. Yeah. The queue um, does give us the opportunity, though, to see a lot of scary things about, like, you know, the track is separating and yeah. the bolts are loose. And don't worry, none of this will play into anything that happens in the movie. But we're going <laughs> to tee it up for you. Yes, there's well, a lot of loose bolts that seem a scary, but and that's that's the thing that kind of uh, I didn't understand the Wendy actually saw this. We the, it, it is uh, explicit that Wendy actually saw the bolts loose and the track separating. Yeah, and at that point, still went forward to hop on the ride. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at this point, I whatever happens to her after this point, shame on her. Yeah, I don't well, feel bad for her at all. The other thing you is, had like, your chance. Yeah, Ian is some sort of paid advocate for the theme park industry, who <laughs> goes about trying to convince her that nothing bad could ever possibly happen within the theme park, and that's true, with the exception of my career. Nothing bad has ever happened in a theme park. <laughs> oh. But uh, it, the setup for this grand accident that she's going to flash through is that. 
they try to put a, a over the shoulder restraint on Lewis. And apparently it doesn't fit Texas Battle's body. <laughs> and the pushing down on it is what causes a a leak, which will then not factor in very much to the no. actual crash. Um, because the actual crash is caused by a a, a camera on the tracks? Is is that physically fucking possible? Can a piece of plastic destroy roller coaster that, that seems like a that seems like a, a significant design flaw yes that, a that video is. camera that has a magic uh reverse film uh strap attached to it <laughs> yes <laughs> which is how it finds its you know way onto the track is yeah um, what I, yeah what i love is lovely it, it, like, frankie it, cheeks drops it and, it, it hits like the the track and then it's like one of those like those like rock flinging weapons where they like you know <laughs> like you can like hear it it's like a whip cracking sound yeah, this thing wrapping bolo. around the uh, yeah bolo thank yeah. you yeah it, it ramps around the track like fucking Indiana Jones whipped it out <laughs> and it's just cracking at Nazis left and right and somehow this manages to take out the brakes of the roller coaster and then at various points it separates off the tracks. People just fly out of the thing. I guess the uh, what happens is, is that that pneumatic fluid uh, from those shoulder restraints, which lower themselves, who the fuck approved this? <laughs> the they, great thing is that all of the deaths get teed up yeah. in ways that don't pay off. So, like, <laughs> you know, in this this death fantasy premonition that that Wendy has, at one point, this this piece of the track breaks free and it's a pipe and it's clearly meant to be something somebody's going to get impaled on. Yeah. And they go back to it like two or three times going, Hey, that, that impalement device still there. And then by the time somebody flies out and hits it, I think it's Kevin. He, he rips in half, like it doesn't impale him. And that, that's a great encapsulation of this film as it directs you in a way and goes, yeah, we're not going to pay that off. Yeah, no. that was Chekhov's impalement device. <laughs> it was. Once and that someone, pipe's on stage, boy. The crazy thing back. is someone does get impaled and someone does get torn in half. And then Kevin miraculously gets torn in half in a way I still don't understand. We will get to it. In comparison to two, which I think its greatest strength is the death premonition. It's just, it's very simple. It's very well done. And the movie struggles to keep up with how good it is after that. Yeah. And, and it's one of two times they do do it in a way that gets you to think that it's happening. So yes. it really is a reveal when you realize, oh, no, it's Wendy's having a vision. So they do that part very well. But she realizes that 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 this is going to happen the the gum that kevin pulls out from underneath uh the roller coaster car and gets on his fingers is proof that that vision is going to come true she freaks out they release the back half of the roller coaster her boyfriend and kevin's girlfriend are in the very front car they are not released but everyone else has been let go out of this roller coaster and they're pushed out because they're yelling and someone's like, well, if there's a disturbance, what we need to do is get them the hell away from here and just start that roller coaster up, <laughs> which I'm not sure is standard operating procedure. 
But well, there's hey. other folks that wanted to hop off the roller coaster after all the commotion. And when like the rides manager comes out, I think he says something like, nobody else gets off that ride. <laughs> Does he get paid by the passenger? I, yeah, I was <laughs> wondering the what the off. economic driver was <laughs> of not just pulling everyone off and loading the fucking roller coaster with a brand new set of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, listen. I don't, I don't, I don't work at this fucking theme park. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Not if they operate like that. No. Um, and so they're all dragged off. And by the time they make the back alley behind the roller coaster, of course, the terrible thing has happened. And they're like, oh, no. And we just flash forward to rainy days. So here's, here's my question. So. Mm-hmm. If it isn't the video camera, because Frankie is one of the people who gets off the ride, mm-hmm. what caused it was death just like, well, fuck it. Let's just it say the bolts came off. Is oh. my question. If the, the video camera does not take out the rest of the brakes and it's just a pneumatic leak, right, that is not exasperated by anything else, how does the roller coaster crash? Yeah, why don't you just lose Lewis, let's say, yeah. and nobody else because he's got the jacked up, you know, restraint. So. Right. So, like, it's been pressed down on him, I guess. But we don't see that happen. We just assume it happens. And then without a video camera to take out the braking system and start the wheels coming off, how does the rest of the fucking roll? I'm sorry. This movie should be illegal. <laughs> That's why in some countries, oh. I believe it is. As as a common mantra on the show, we do not come to these movies for realism. But when part of the shtick is, these are the things that happen to make this crash happen. And then they don't fucking happen. They're not part of it. Like the airplane in the first one, I get. The logs are still going to fall off that truck in the second one. This... I just feel like you need a second draft. So we we learn that months or not even months later cuz they've they haven't even graduated yet. That was grad night. Yeah, they don't really establish like how much time has gone by. I I got the impression it was like a couple of weeks. It, yeah, be, you be although you know everybody you know everybody else seems to be kind of they're over it they're they're good yeah. it's it's graduation time time to move on. You know, right. the only the only person that's still upset is is Wendy. And she, she's so upset, she'll walk in the rain. She doesn't even care. She doesn't <laughs> need an umbrella. I thought I thought it was like very soon after because she goes to the school, uh, goes into her locker and takes the picture of Jason off of the side of her locker and throws it away. With her textbooks. With, with her tech, like she just, yeah, she just gives up. So I figured it was like almost immediately after. Take that learning. So she throws away her fucking textbooks. She keeps a trapper keeper. And then wanders outside and Kevin's like, hey, 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 come on. Like, uh, we should talk. And she's like, no, we shouldn't. I don't like you. Uh, my boyfriend's dead. Your girlfriend's dead. Uh, she was going to break up with you. And at some point he goes like, well, wouldn't they want us to attend graduation? And she's like, I don't know if they're all up in heaven with Gandhi and Lincoln. Why Why would they care if we attend graduation? And so my question to all of you is, name two people you would rather hang out with in heaven than attend a high school graduation. I'm going to go first. My answer is 
anyone. <laughs> High school graduations suck. Yeah, I guess you don't need the excuse of hanging out with celebrities like Abraham Lincoln and Gandhi. <laughs> yes. Uh, two people, totes in heaven. Uh, not even sure Gandhi believed in heaven, but she's determined he's probably up there. Gandhi would definitely be in the same heaven as Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> if there's a comedy God. So wait, wait a second, Gina, are you proposing there are segregated heavens? Like, are, are we talking about like Mormon planets where the, everyone gets their own? <laughs> Cause I did that. And I was like, at a certain point, I'm like, I got to bounce. This is too fucking weird. Even Mormon planets would be a great band name, by the way. <laughs> Dibs. <laughs> Listen, we had our chance to start a band, and it turns out I have zero <laughs> musical ability. I think I'm going to name my band Hanging with Lincoln and Gandhi in Heaven. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hanging with Frankie Cheeks. No, no. <laughs> or is well, that your you. biography? And so uh, we meet up with Julie again and her two friends. One of the friends will actually come into play later on, but there's no, I didn't know that at this point. I didn't remember it. But that, that the one that comes uh, up later, goes look who i got to sign my yearbook as if this is an achievement like think of achievements complete an iron man marathon climb kilimanjaro get neil to sign your yearbook it somewhat <laughs> comes up short yeah i was like waiting for like it was former president barack obama <laughs> no it's neil i know there's no one way to grieve um and we all process loss in different ways but I think Wendy's process might be the most annoying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of crying and blaming other people for yes. her not doing enough to rescue more people off the roller coaster that she had a premonition about, which, again, is not grounds for getting followed by the police. But that will happen later on as well. Again, for the third time. Oh, the police are terrific in this. The police, so many notes. The police love to chase after kids who had premonition about death. That's what I've learned from Final Destination. They're, I don't know if they're going to handcuff the Grim Reaper. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. <laughs> but they're on the case. That's the important thing. Yeah. And we learned that Kevin has done research about what happened in the yes. first movie. And Gina, we've confronted this many times where there's, we have newspaper reports about what happened in Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> My kingdom for a fucking website address that where someone has written a lengthy BuzzFeed article about what happened in the first movie, Gina. Yeah, just, you know, just treating it like the, like, you know, it has been accepted in, in the universe of these movies that, yeah, this is some you know, weird thing going on where if you cheat death, you know, death will come for you later. <laughs> Well, that was my note was like, what what prompts Kevin? You know, they all live through a tragedy. Granted, what prompts Kevin to do the research that leads him to the story about 180? Like, seems very not motivated by it. Yeah, like, like, what is the story of 180? That, that it blew up and then, like, it turns out one of the survivors had a premonition and later that survivor died. They would not, they would not report on the premonition. Yeah. I, yes, I don't know where they would get the let's report on the premonition part. Yeah, the they would other report, thing at might the, end at up the, an at, article. At the most, it would report on the you know tragic, you know the the, the tragic follow up that the person you know, died in other accident like a year later. Right. Yeah. Well, and will this becomes even more of a plot point later on on behalf of Wendy, and and I'm sure we'll get to that, but. 
I think, uh, Patrick, you said it, I believe, in uh, the episode you guys did on Megan, that it's like it's when you're simple, when your concept is simple and you just keep it moving, like you never have that time to think, well, how would they know this? And if this, what about this? And that's what this film does poorly is it gives you just enough of maybe we'll get into a little bit of what's going on which makes you think about it and then they pull back from it. So. Well, well yeah, they 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 already they expect that anybody that would watch this movie you, is already well versed in the final destination war <laughs> if you want to call it that and does not need so they don't they don't need an establishing scene like in the totally. other two where the character goes to talk with Tony Todd and, and realizes that you know death is a sentient being that is chasing after them because it, you know, it, it doesn't like when you interfere with its plans. Wait a yeah. second. So I didn't watch the other ones. I thought this whole thing was about a haunted camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this is. That, that's I mean, a new, that's a new thing. Like they, yeah. they, one thing, they also like to, you know, they also, without without really explaining anything, they also like to tweak it with every new movie too. Yes. And so they're like, you know what I like? The Omen. Let's just like pull from The Omen. And so they do. But it wouldn't make any sense if they didn't tell you what happened in, in the first two movies. And they go out of their way to do that for no particular effect. And as Kevin just doesn't strike me as the, uh, when he says, I did my own research, that he actually did research. Oh, he's you know one I mean? of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. did my own research on those vaccines. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, so. maybe maybe he went on www dot high school roller coaster tragedies dot <laughs> com. He, he went to he went to that Wikipedia page of like amusement park accidents. Yeah, where somebody that wrote it had a premonition and they died and they actually died. Dennis, are you squatting on that domain? Oh God. <laughs> It's, I've had it for like 17 years. <laughs> you sunk a Daddy. lot of money into that domain. Like, yes. What is your business plan to get out of the tremendous financial hole you've put yourself into? Well, I'm I, I'm, I'm still trying to sell it off. Um, <laughs> okay. What is the market for this, though, Dan? Uh, I, I, I've been wanting to talk narrow, to you. It's narrow, but when it pays, it pays. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Scott, we talked about this before. This is an intervention. Would you please keep <laughs> on sorry. topic, Dennis? For the that- love of all of us, we gathered here today. This is I made you watch Final Destination 3. But really what this is about is you need to find a way to sell that fucking website, okay? It's not going to happen. I can sell it whenever I want, Patrick, okay? I don't have the problem. You have the problem. <laughs> I do. I do have a problem. I would just like to yes and that, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was wondering why all the doors were locked. I wasn't, I'm not allowed to leave. Yes. Well, it took a lot of preparation, but uh, as part of the ruse, now we have to talk about the rest of Final Destination 3. So, uh, during the sequence, we're told by Ashlyn and Ashley that they want to look their best for graduation. And, of course, the one graduation you want to look your very best for is one where a bunch of kids died in a roller coaster accident. (laughs) So, what are you going to do? You're going to go to a tanning place. So we can see some more underwear. You owe so, it to them to be tanned. <laughs> truly. Uh, that's that's what they're worth. That's what they sacrificed. They died for your ability to get that tan. So we have a long lead up to this in which we meet a, 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 a person of Eastern European descent. Oh, who's having dear. a continuous argument with her girlfriend. 
and he has to do it outside. I'm not sure what that's about, but he goes outside. This will come into play later. But here is the Rube Goldberg device for the way that Ashlyn and Ashley die. One of them turns up the uh, thermometer to 73 degrees. That causes the slushy that the other one brought in there, and she wasn't supposed to, to start uh, condense. The the cup starts condensation that that uh, drips down onto an electrical control for the tanning beds that we're told we're seeing multiple times not to go over 250. And uh, here's a spoiler alert: it goes over 250. Yeah, they are rotisserie <laughs> chicken. <laughs> so the HVAC starts blowing cold air in there, right? Because even though they set it up, things are getting hot. That air blows over a coat rack, which knocks over a CD shelf off the wall. That shelf locks both tanning bed doors in place so they can't get out. And now the tanning beds then cook those two women alive, even though Ashley is still wearing her underwear because her boyfriend likes tan lines two, two things mm-hmm. uh, one much like the uh the roller coaster that can you know malfunction if a small piece of plastic falls in the tracks yeah uh, i feel like a, now i've never used a tanning bed uh that would not work out very well for my extremely pale complexion um <laughs> sure do they do they lock because i i feel like they shouldn't be able to lock well, it's, there's not a lock built into them, but the CD shelf is actually what is lo- is wedged between the oh, two. Oh, okay, so it's actually just holding them shut then. It didn't it's, like yes, activate it, it, a lock on it. Okay. You cannot raise it because the okay. wood is keeping them in place and the, they can't push hard enough because they're trapped inside of UV ovens, basically. <laughs> and, the, uh, they, and they really tease this bottle of tanning lotion, I guess, that gets caught in the door yeah. and, you know, ejaculates all its contents <laughs> onto, the, onto the sidewalk. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, are they teasing that this guy is going to try to get in and slip and fall, just crack his head open or something? But no, it, it doesn't. It's just a weird little, it, it's, it's kind of zags in the audience. And ultimately that does nothing except cause the door somehow to, to fall shut. He has to keep it open. He's keeping it open with a Coke can to begin with, and then can't find the Coke can. When go, he goes back outside and he puts that bo- that plastic squeeze bottle of uh, suntan lotion there. This movie is all about the proud tradition of things getting wedged in other things. <laughs> it's very wedge-based <laughs> as a horror film. There are very few wedge-based horror films. That's this true. is totally one of them. So horribly <laughs> racist tanning proprietor aside, I, I did respect how everything in this establishment has a specific warning label on it telling you not to do the thing that ultimately happens. And they violate every single one of them. Every Including, <laughs> you know, they get the little eye things that you're supposed to put over your eyes when you do it. Yeah. And in like giant letters on the side of the, the thing that sanitizes them, it says danger flammable. <laughs> and I was trying to think like, you know, the last time I went to the barber, like the, you know, the barbicide yeah. that they put the combs in, like, did that have a big label on it that says danger flammable? Because I feel like maybe not. But now I'm wondering, was I in danger at the barber? <laughs> well, I mean, wait a the- second. Why do they put the the things that you place over your eyes in flammable liquid? 
before you put them over your eyes. Yeah, that's not important. The important thing is they label it. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, alcohol and eyes go together <laughs> like ham and cheese. Like that's something <laughs> that's right. everyone does. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of violations going on. In this <laughs> yeah. This town could stop its teenage death problem if they just had someone inspect business. Do, do, do yeah, do they not have like a like a you know, department of, of labor coming in and like you know <laughs> inspecting these businesses every now and then? Yeah, and I, tell your thirty-year-old teenagers follow the labels. Yes, <laughs> they're they're there for a reason. Yeah, you've got a gym with like these like Aladdin swords. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get started on that when oh. that character's death comes. We got to take All it right. one character death at a time. Otherwise, okay, we'll so never get out of here. While we're on the twins. Yes. We also are flashing back to Wendy because like her spider sense is tingling or yes. something. Yeah. And her spider sense is tingling via a bobblehead Joey Ramone. <laughs> and so that made me wonder, like, is that going to ultimately be the reveal of this series that bobblehead Joey Ramone is death? Um, Cause that I, would rock. That would rock. That would, that, that, that at the core rock and roll high school is a secret final destination prequel. <laughs> I, I like this idea or that the actual prequel is just the music video for pet cemetery. The oh, famous Ramone song. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. To completely is, sidetrack, I worked in a movie theater that summer, and I made sure to always sweep that theater at the end so I could hear that song. <laughs> <laughs> Best end credits ever. Uh, so these two die. They're buried. And during their funeral, Ian starts to do crowd work in the midst of a chaplain's you know, speech at, at their funeral. He, he, he decides like hit the clock, new rules. And he starts <laughs> riffing baby. It's yeah. Ian's tight five. Everyone. Lewis complains that their funeral is quote boring. Yes. What are these people doing here? I don't know. I don't that's, that's, know that's, each other. Again, like, yeah, again, in like establishing nothing about these characters and who they are except to each other, except maybe classmates. Like, but like, yeah. you know, they don't seem to like each other. It's like, okay, why now are you going to each other's funerals? Their children all go to the same school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they know each other from the pickup line. And that's exactly. really where you begin to build the community. Uh, including uh, Franklin C. Cheeks Esquire is oh, also dear. there. Yes. Uh, mourning the loss of uh, these two's... Uh, Breasts. Uh, it's a very, We're getting to see his humanity in yes. this scene. I feel like, and he begins to he, he begins to pill himself, where he's like, <laughs> "Is is my concept of femininity and my whole deal where all I see is the sexualization of these women? Am I to blame for their deaths?" And I think someone should tell him yes, just to see what happens. But he does it as Gollum. Because he says, would they have felt the need to impress Franklin Cheeks? I'm like, why are we talking in third person suddenly? What's going on? Uh, I do I do like his attempt at a, a clumsy pass yeah. at a funeral. Yeah, he's really going for that wedding crashers, funeral crasher thing where he thinks maybe she'll be sad enough to be horny for him. But that would have to be a very sad funeral. I, I just don't... I. I get the feeling that Franklin C. Cheeks is a virgin 
because he's given off a lot of virgin energy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do we touch on the fact that both Ashlyn and Ashley are buried next to each other? I was just no. That. <laughs> was that it's a two for one? It was Deal? a two for one. Their caskets are right next to each other. I mean, Gina, as in life, how long have we been doing the show? Nearly seven years. One of the first crazy things we found out about is that in the in the wikis for the Friday the Thirteenth movies, before we started talking about them, people started cleaning them up. There was this idea that couples in the Friday the 13th universe who were killed with one another were buried not with one another on top. Of like, in this, like in the same, like in the oh, same casket. <laughs> or, or the same gravesite with two caskets on top of one another. Like one was a top, one was a bottom for eternity in a graveyard was Whoa. the connection that someone was trying to put out there. Then we talked about it. When we would go back to look at it again, suddenly it was scrubbed. Uh, so if there's any influence we've had, it's that whoever was jacking off to the idea of dead <laughs> camp counselors being buried on top of one another, we ruined it for him. It's like and time to I'm delete glad. my wiki entry. <laughs> it's weird that people would get off on that. Um, it is. Maybe, but- maybe, maybe the ultimate would be uh, two pairs of blood-soaked women's underwear buried <laughs> together <laughs> in the same grave. See, Dennis, I'm just trying to, it's a hat on a hat on a hat, maybe. I don't know. True, but if you had been putting those hats on hats on hats on your website, th- it would be worth a lot more. Teen and, roller coaster tragedies <laughs> that end up with one person who was on the roller coaster. There was only so much they the could learn from AskJeeves.com. <laughs> So this is also where we get our PSP mention by Lewis, yeah. which made me beyond thrilled. We we get the girls mentioning the iPods and Lewis dropping the PSP bomb there. Yes, and we see a lot of uh, uh, Razor phones at a certain yes. point. Yes. It just it's <laughs> like, screaming two thousand. This will never be dated. <laughs> no, no, this technology will live forever. Um, they're right on the cusp. Um, so uh, we ne- learn that Wendy has not attended the funeral directly. She's way off in the distance. She didn't want to alarm anyone with her presence. Uh, She calls Kevin over and then Kevin reveals that he has been trying to quote unquote, feel his ex-girlfriend's spirit. (laughs) And I'm just wondering if you know what I'm saying, I was going to say, there's a word for that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly what is he masturbating with to feel that? Because Kevin, also not a researcher, does not strike me as much of a, I need to commune with a ghost. Like I, what he really <laughs> wants is that Ghostbusters, I'm having a blowjob yes. from a ghost situation. <laughs> He's having some Dan Aykroyd fantasies. And all of this, I might add as well, they're standing over Jason's grave marker, which yes. is clearly printed on a piece of like shiny black PVC plastic. <laughs> yes. Uh, these days we could have that printed off by a 3d printer and it looked somewhat yes. convincing, but yeah, the uh, prop department did not go all out on this scene. It doesn't quite hold up in HD. Let's just put it that way, but you know, they were trying. Um, so he's like, this is a whole pattern. Uh, and she's like, I, I think you're right. I have all these photographs. She dragged uh, out a fucking 9-11 oh yeah, reference. Yeah. So 
This is, I meant to ask you guys this. So this, by my estimation, probably the film was shot like three and a half to four years after 9-11. And I don't get precious about anything for the most part, but I was like, oh no, you're making this a plot point. And I, I went on Google, I did a ton of research. I couldn't find anything that indicated that people like were like, no, you shouldn't have done that. No. But it feels like that had to have been the case. I think it's important that they never say the words like Twin Towers yeah. or 9-11. They, they just, just go, look, a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all we know, like, they didn't even have the photograph there. It's like an ADR thing, and they just do insert shots. I'm not sure about it. It's It seems wiggy to me. Yeah, it's like the horror movie version of like the uh, the flea market airbrush T-shirt that's got like the twin towers and the silhouette of the bald eagle crying like yeah. layered over it. Like, just you couldn't have handled this any more incorrectly. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 it seems to me like it was something they found in the edit where they go, you know what this scene need? We didn't shoot it this way, but you know what this scene needs? Nine eleven. <laughs> Let's, make let's, go let's, let's make it topical. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's you know it'll goose some... this in the arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, so they just went out and put some insert shots of you know them holding the Twin Towers. Because you're right, they don't mention the Twin Towers, the plane crash, mm-hmm. 9-11 specifically. She just says, and look at this shadow. Yeah. Could be it's, referring to anything. At best, it is doing what Milhouse's dad did with his solo album. He, they're trying to borrow an emotion. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. yep, exactly. That is a joke squarely just aimed at Scott Berklin. And I appreciate it. <laughs> so this is also, though, where we learn that um, if a picture frame cracks in like old-timey photos, that's probably where you got shot because that's yes. their explanation of Lincoln. It, that's cheat. He they did their own research and this is what they found. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we In also, between vaccination research. They right. this up. And we also learned that Kevin knows where SpongeBob SquarePants lives. <laughs> and when he goes, I'm so embarrassed, you know that where the fuck else would SpongeBob live? Like it's in the fucking theme song. Like he lives on in a pineapple under the fucking sea. It's the first line in the song. It is the weirdest, hardest left turn where you're like, here's a photo of 9-11. Yeah. And here's a SpongeBob joke. Um, so they she's like, Oh, I'm a little woozy. He's like, you should eat. She's like, Oh, let's go through a drive-thru so no one will see us talking about this. Like anyone would believe you. So okay, fine. They get in line for this. They barely miss a tow truck. I, this is the this is the weirdest one. It, it just doesn't make any particular sense. They barely miss a tow truck. This somehow causes a different truck to just roll down a hill. I'm not sure how that happens. Yeah, but it rolls down the hill for like ten minutes. Oh, it takes for a very long time. <laughs> forever. A, a different delivery truck blocks them in so that they are stuck inside of their pickup truck. During this entire sequence, and an arguing couple's behind them. They finally get that couple out of the way, but it's too late for them to reverse. So Kevin kicks out a window. They jump out of the front window onto the ground where it's revealed that Wendy's funeral attire also shows four inches of lower tummy. This is very <laughs> And is a, you want to be respectful, but hot, I think true. is the yes. message. Not again, uh, evoking the Nightmare on Elm Street 
uh, uh, remake in which someone shows up to that funeral, uh, the first funeral, dressed the hottest anyone will appear in the entire movie <laughs> for no reason. So, anyways, th- that big old delivery truck with no driver actually smacks into the pickup truck that sends the pickup truck's engine into a car and kills the driver. Who is that driver? Why one Franklin C. Cheeks. Franklin C. Cheeks, who apparently, you know, went to a funeral and said, "Mm, I'm going to pick me up a Whopper. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately thereafter. I'm I'm so mournful and starving. I'm so mournful. I'm going to flip the bird at the the people behind me who are honking their, who are, you know, frantically honking their horn at me. Yes. He not gonna look, driving. not gonna look, not gonna look to see what the problem might be or anything. No. no, he has no problems. His problem is they only gave him two catch-ups and he asked for many more. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. There's gonna be plenty of red everywhere when the engine block of that pickup truck goes through the back of his brain, including a stutter, which the engine's just like yes. I got one more piece of energy that I have to release that splatters blood all over Wendy's face for the first time. Okay, Frankie's was the most nonsensical, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But I, like, from a makeup standpoint, from an effects standpoint, it was my favorite death, I think, in the the series. It really is. It is fun. What I think this movie does is it has very explosive, fun deaths. Um, And so I think if you're just watching it for enjoyment you're going to get enjoyment out of it. It's when you start taking notes. <laughs> it's, <getting laughs> it's when you a pay attention weekend. and such. Yes. Um, and so another one of their friends is down. Lewis would be next. Uh, they determined by looking at the photo, the omen-like photographs <laughs> that something including sultans and scimitars will be involved. And so... Um, they discover that Kevin, or not Kevin, that Kevin discovers that Lewis has been recruited by a state school called the Sultan. So they go to the training room. And again, I think this entire death can be laid at no one is maintaining this weight room. (laughs) No. (laughs) If there had only been a maintenance guy. Yeah. Yeah. What is this town with this problem with, you with, you properly maintaining equipment? I don't know. Like <laughs> if if Sawsville, USA, Canada is the kingdom in which anyone can get sleeping gas. <laughs> Final Destinationville is is just like has so many maintenance pro- problems. It just no one is maintaining the airports. No one is maintaining the roads. No one is maintaining state school football. This, weight you rooms. know, this is yeah, Patrick. This is what happens when you vote libertarian. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Everyone is making their own way here and they they are free. They are very, very free. And that causes their death a lot of the time. If they ever get around to another one and wrap it up, that's what it's going to boil down to is the villain was poor maintenance the whole time. (laughs) So, Patrick, you you did jump past one thing that I want to point out, and this Mm -hmm. is related to Lewis's death. The, The aftermath of Lewis's death is when we are introduced to Polanski and Clark (laughs) 
detectives on they are on the job. Yes. They are going to figure this out, except for the fact that they never do. They never do. They never speak. They're also beat cops. They have on yes. uniforms. They're not detectives. This is an this is a chips Adam 13 level. The rookie. These beat cops are going to solve the case. Of They're the- paying attention. Yeah. There, there are great we, pains we, gone we, through to show that they know, are paying attention. We don't know exactly what the case is or what they're going to solve, <laughs> no. but, but they're, 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 they're on it. They're scowling. They're, they mean business. Yeah, they, they see aside this joint, and they're like, well, these two people have to be involved. After all, a bear claw poked a person in an eye, and they dropped their weights, and that shook scimitars loose, which cut machi- the weight machine's cables. And then Lewis goes, I'm going to live forever and pushes the weight machine up and smashes his own head. And they're like, we need to bring those two in for questioning. That's right. The, that's how it. the fuck bring does Clark. Well, they're the only ones that had blood splattered on their faces. <laughs> yes. It must blood be their splatter fault. number two. They have their eye on death. That's all I will say. <laughs> yes. They're going to bring in the, the Grim Reaper come hell or high water. Um. Uh, and I do love that when they, when Wendy and Kevin leave the school, the school has given them like clothes from the campus bookstore <laughs> and they're carrying their gore soaked clothes in clear plastic bags. Like, do you think that brain comes out if you take it to a dry cleaner? Just throw them away. That, that, yeah. Those clothes are no good. But you're not but- wearing that again. Come on. Was the, am I wrong? Was that her uh, funeral attire that she was wearing? Because no, that was a, it is a oh. different day. Oh. It's a different, okay. different, different crop top. So I was yeah. gonna say otherwise, it's a hot outfit. Like yeah, I don't yeah, blame that. It's it's another outfit that also exposes a lot of her tummy. Um, you know what are you going to do? Um, so now after this, they determined the next two people that are in danger are Ian and. Ian's girlfriend, uh, Aaron. 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 Yeah. Again, the, these two people we never, we barely ever see them separated. They've given them similar names. They both have pop punk haircuts for no particular <laughs> reason, and they and they work at the danger store where yeah, which everything is like, around which is, them is dangerous. Which is it's like it's like a like a Home Depot, but also they appear to be the only people that work there. Yes. Well, it's after closing. That's the time where you need to kill pigeons with yes. a nail gun, Gina. Yes. That was my note. Stay classy. Final <laughs> Destination 3. <laughs> Shooting like, pigeons with a nail gun. That can't possibly be in the employee handbook. When <laughs> trying to clear out pigeons, please use our shiniest nail gun. Uh, so they have a very philosophical debate that goes on for nearly forever. And I'm not going to bore everyone with it because... It's basically Ian going, this is all BS. And I'm going, you have to listen to this. I'm constantly covered in gore. Um, the Goldberg machine here is very lengthy. So I'm going to oh, hit yeah. the highlights. Um, loose nails to a magnet pole that causes a chain to start unfurling. Uh, and a box drops. Um, that chain gets hooked on to the box somehow and causes the the box to hit the accelerator of the forklift. Um, that forklift goes through a display of hammers um, 
that hammer, the hammer then causes the lift lever to raise. The lift pushes over a bunch of shelving units that go, that mummy 1999 go boom, 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 boom. And uh, Wendy senses this, pulls Ian out of the way. So death skips him. But Aaron, unfortunately, is not so lucky. It's now gone on to her. And her Rube Goldberg's very simple. She slips on some sawdust, falls backwards, and gets nailed through the back of her head with a nail gun. Yeah, so the elaborate Rube Goldberg lead-up does not pay off in the slightest or yield anything. Yeah, there's a lot of teases in this movie. Yes. We're given a lot of scenarios, and then they're like, "Mm, forget that. (laughs) And I, I guess I get it. I guess it's a swerve, but... We even get a fake out with like uh, an upright uh, uh, ripping saw. Yes. That that yep. discount Jamie Kennedy almost falls <laughs> on and then he doesn't. And yeah. Is sawdust that slippery? Because I can't say I'm like a, a constant woodworker, but it doesn't feel to me like uh, sawdust I, I always, is a slippery I always substance. thought sawdust was like something you use to take care of things that one could slip on. Yes. I don't think it's that slippery. Otherwise, your local Cracker Barrel, you'd be having <laughs> so many injuries every day. And those injuries are now caused by alcohol, not yeah. uh, no, just sawdust, sawdust on the floor. It is good for cleaning up Wendy's blood spatter, which is <laughs> yes. constantly happening. So. She just dips her face in sawdust, and what do you know? Bob's your uncle. Her face is now clean. She's a regular down at the Home Depot. She does get it, it, a few dots of <laughs> blood on her face. Not a full thing, but at a certain point, you just, like Gina said, she should be wearing a face guard at this point. <laughs> they have those at the Home Depot. They do. <laughs> yeah. And she never picks one up. No, she's not irony. a one. Because um, face shields don't really offer you any real protection. And so there we go. I've uh, done my done research. our own research. Yes. And the great thing about Wendy's death is that we get more of Polanski and Clark staring like they're going to do something, but don't worry, it won't pay off. So no. it's fine. And they don't talk and we don't want them to. They're silent kings. That's the way we want them to be. That's right. We respect and stand our silent kings. We yeah, don't want to Clark. pay them the extra money <laughs> to have them Polanski and Clark, not in the budget. Nope. <laughs> it is at this point that I wrote down where the fuck are anyone's parents. <laughs> These are supposedly high school aged people. And oh, you yeah, there's not there's not a single parent to be found. No in, in, in this movie. Not wait, no, that's not true. That's not true. I remember this now. Uh when they leave the police station, uh uh Kevin's dad is there to pick him up. Yes. And so and one. I remember one I remember this because of the line that he has, uh his dad has, which is um I'm Kevin's dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to pick you no, up. You know what? I don't think, no, there was no lines. He had no lines. It, <laughs> no. Was, a, it was a wide shot of him standing in front of his car. Um, and then that was it. There was And no, you, you're yeah. sure it wasn't Polanski on Clark's shoulders? Like <laughs> with could, a big trench coat on? Like two children with a trench coat? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense. No, that's Kevin's dad. He's really I, tall. <laughs> there's only one answer for this. And that is everyone's parents are actually in old age homes and not allowed to drive themselves. (laughs) That would scan, I think, based on their obvious age. Yes. 
but the fact that Wendy and Julie's parents never show up and they're not even mentioned. Like, they live on a house by themselves. They, they live alone. <laughs> like, does there's never a scene where, like, Wendy's mother says, are you all right? Or anything like right. that. Just, like, nothing. No. Her, 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 you know, her daughter's boyfriend, you know, died a horrific accident that she was there to see. And, like, there's just not a single moment. Listen, there's not an extra... For better or for worse, there's not an extra ounce of fat in this movie to be found. <laughs> no, just like everything <laughs> that happens. That's true. Like, like, you know, there's no extra, there's no extraneous dialogue. There's no extraneous characters. It's just, you know, it's it, it, you set up an execution within like an hour and 25 minutes. Yes. It's a very lean slice of mutton. This Your movie, pithy Final Destination 3 will give you that. <laughs> And so Kevin does what we would all do after we've witnessed death after death after death after death. And that's go to your local tricentennial celebration, <laughs> uh, which seems to have been sponsored by the danger factory because yeah. everything about this setup is dangerous to the fucking max. Yeah, five, and, five, yeah six, six high school students have died in the past week. Hey, let's do a carnival. Right. <laughs> and surround it with broken bottles. Well, listen, much like Jaws's need for Amity Island to have a 4th of July celebration. Otherwise, everyone will go broke. Uh, <laughs> Final Destinationville has to have a tricentennial. Otherwise, they are going to be all on disability and assistance for the entire winter, Gina. So you're saying this film was missing a greedy mayor, Patrick, is <laughs> yeah. really what it boils down to. If we could add one character that I think would really help here, it would be a greedy mayor. Um, this is when we get uh, the, I think, one of the only other people who ended up with a career as a brief uh, cameo here. Shit's Creek's Dustin Milligan shows up. I was, I looked at the cast list ahead of time. I'm like, oh, Dustin Milligan is in this. And I kept looking and looking and looking and looking. <laughs> and it turns out he's just one of the sparkler wielding troublemakers uh, who Kevin chases off. But you barely see this kid. Uh, it's unfortunate. Dustin Milligan, actual good actor, but uh, we're not going to see him here. Um, so this is when those two cops show back up. Sawville, USA's Canada's finest, who are here to, you know, slap handcuffs on the Grim Reaper. And then um, I just, like, what is the point? Like, what do they think is going to happen? Like, these things have been witnessed by dozens of people at this point. You can't arrest an accident. Polanski and Clark are on it, damn it. <laughs> They're going to see this through. Um, so we get a setup for another death here for Kevin. It involves a pole, a decorative cannonball, uh, a wood, wood block supporting a trailer with fireworks in it. Um, and when the fireworks start to go off, it rocks the trailer. Um, now, uh, Wendy has seen the photograph now of Kevin. It looks like a bright light in her face. She's like fireworks. So she shows up and it turns out that Julie, her Younger, and I'll put that in Dick Fingers' sister, <laughs> uh, is, was also on the roller coaster. So she is actually in danger. Um, and so she runs there. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I have to stop this Rube Goldberg uh, to ask a question of everybody. Yeah. During this fireworks sequence, we see them wandering through the crowd looking for one another. And we see background actors. And they're all clapping continuously. 
for a fireworks display. <laughs> like, like every boom is worthy of its own applause. Bro. Like, boom. Oh, boom. Oh, 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 that, oh, look at that one. Look at that. Oh, did you see that one? Yes, I'm continuing to clap like a maniac. Is that bad? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that was poor direction given to them by the second AD who said, just stay busy. Uh, here, just everybody clap. When I raise my hand, yeah. everybody clap. Exactly. Right, do it again. Fireworks and, right, and again. fireworks and fireworks. Yeah, go, you clap. just like ooh and ah and look up. You don't have to clap continuously like you're in the audience at Cannes and you just saw a mediocre <laughs> wine vampires movie. Like who fucking cares? You don't have to congratulate every explosion. Well, you don't um, want any of the other explosions to feel bad if they were congratulated. <laughs> I like to think they were clapping for Polanski and Clark. <laughs> yes, woohoo! They're on Our, it. Our saviors have arrived. So back to Death's design. Um, we these fireworks are setting off a very agitated horse, um, and then those two sparkler wielding troublemakers decide to to place cherry bombs behind that horse because what's the worst that could happen and then we learn what the worst that could happen a runaway horse starts tromping through this crowd of people <laughs> dragging a sharp wooden stake now i'm not no one would call me the greatest planner but if you're trying to keep a horse in place during a fireworks display i don't think a thin wooden stake is the way i'm going to do it and again it's like who is monitoring this why do you have a horse nearby when they're setting off a fireworks display yeah tie that motherfucking horse to a, a cannon something Just put, him in a, yeah. put him in a trailer or something <laughs> yeah, I where are the adults in this town and i don't mean I, the lead truly yes. this this entire town is without adult situation inspection uh, failure after inspection <laughs> failure <laughs> this is like that remember that one reality show where they put small children in an old west town and they said <laughs> the next 30 days you're all in charge and they shut down the show after 14 days <laughs> This is what would happen if they just kept it going. So I'm sorry. I think um, the other thing is all the people are so busy clapping at the fireworks that they are, they never notice that this runaway horse is behind them. They just like only notice it after it directly comes into eye. That's right. <laughs> well, and, and Julie has her head ripped out of her body. Oh, no, just kidding. She's dragged by a horse by her neck, and somehow that doesn't happen. Yes, she pulls, again, another Indiana Jones, but by her neck, yes, behind by her this neck. rampaging horse. And then we get a, a, a sequence which I, which I literally gasp, because those two cops <laughs> managed to pull over a runaway horse. Now, <laughs> does this horse... Just inherently have a deep respect for law enforcement. Is that why he pulls it over briefly? The, it, it backs the blue. <laughs> you it's all laughed at Polanski and Clark. <laughs> this um, is where they pay off. This is uh, yes. Horses briefly, respect though. them. Yes. Yeah, well, if, it doesn't last. The horse is like, oh wait a second. It's you two guys. Fuck y'all. He doesn't have middle fingers, <laughs> but they're implied. And he takes off in a different direction. And meanwhile, while Julie's just like on the ground, like, oh, that was crazy. She doesn't take the rope off her neck and she gets dragged in a different direction the other way. And she gets dragged towards this old fashioned metal spike contraption wagon. I don't, I don't know what that is. is that that was for spiking the crops, I think. For sure. 
Um, and so Kevin grabs a sword, which I'm I'm assuming is decorative, but okay. I don't come to Final Destination 3 for realism. He grabs this dude's sword and he's like, hey, I was using that. He wasn't. <laughs> and he runs over and he chops the rope just in time before Julie takes a head full of Spike. Um, and then as she's trying to, rec- you know, put her, her windpipe back into the place where it's supposed to go. Wendy's like, tell me who else was on the, who was on the roller coaster next to you? Who was on the roller coaster next to you? And she's like, all oh, um, Perry, my friend who was excited. Someone wrote in her yearbook and Perry shows up. Yes. Remember Perry? Of course, no one does. No yes. one does. She's totally inconsequential. She came in maybe three lines before this. Anywho, via this horse, Perry takes a flag through the torso, launched by that rope and horse somehow. I, I'm not sure how that works. Well, for those of you who have not seen it, he, she doesn't take a flag through the torso. It's the flagpole. Yes. It's, it's slightly less uh, absurd <laughs> than, than <laughs> what you just painted the picture. Of. I was being too rough on it. You're yeah, right. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, and, and that is where Winstead takes another fucking face full of blood. <laughs> and it's just like, this has got to be someone's thing. There's just yeah. no fucking way someone, at, at some point, she has to turn to her agent, a, a representative on set, and go, can one of these deaths not involve gore in my face? And they're like, no, you signed the contract, honey. Sorry. Do you think she and the director had maybe like a Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi thing going on where it's like, no, no, I just like to screw with him and see how bad I can make it for him. Um, I, well, that Raimi situation is very collegial. They've known each other forever. Whereas this feels like someone's like, no, no. It's got to be red blood on her face. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in my trailer watching the playback. <laughs> I'll be in my bunk, quite literally. <laughs> Why are you in the edit room every time we're editing these particular sequences? No reason. No reason at all. Please continue. Snapshot. The poor editor is like, now I have to go do foot shots for Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after this, they're like, oh, my God. Kevin. In in a moment, we all stood up and cheered ourselves. Finally, the clapping makes sense. Kevin is kicked by a horse. He's kicked into a kebab (laughs) table. A kebab in in the aftermath is launched from that table and punctures a propane gas line. The propane tank catches fire for reasons. And Wendy pulls his face out of the way. Kinda. Uh, he still gets burned, but not third degree burned. He gets like second degree burned from that explosion, sadly. But guess who's here, everyone? Ian is here to save the day. That's right. Ian discount uh, Jamie Kennedy, who is now <laughs> a villain for some reason. Well, I guess the they gave him the rundown. And part of it is, okay, if you if you save someone and skip them, then the people who were supposed to be killed will be saved. And so he figures, if I kill Wendy and she's the one who died last on the roller coaster, uh, I will save everyone else. And no one And has- they assume that he causes Wendy's death because his last name is McKinley. Yes. By and the way, she's and wearing she's a wearing a McKinley, McKinley shirt. Yeah. Yes. It's it's 
Mm, I mean, people talk about details. Yeah, if you don't get that later, earlier in the movie, he complains that he has the same last name as his yes, school. Yeah, and it's and, like it's like it's like why is this worth mentioning? Is it, yeah. is that a, a big deal to to you know have the same last name as the school you go to? But yeah, yeah and it turns out that this in his senior fucking year. Yeah, it's like, it's like he just like he. Looked, Wait a minute! It's like he just looked at his yearbook like McKinley. Get the fuck out Why of here. Why I oughta. <laughs> but that block of wood that, that was that was knocked out earlier is finally coming into play. Like some some <laughs> continuity person like, we gotta do something with this. And the 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 sawed-off back of a, a pickup truck is where they're launching fireworks that are covered in tinfoil. Like, <laughs> Which again, I mean, launching fireworks from the back of a pickup truck. But not even a back, uh, the pickup truck that's attached to the truck part. They sawed it fucking off and put a block of wood underneath it. That is not cool. That that you should not be allowed to launch fireworks after this. Which maybe they are. I mean, it's a very dangerous town. So yeah. Ian's like, I'm, I showed up here and I'm going to shoot you. And Wendy's like, I don't think this is going to work out the way you want it to. And the firework trailer dips forward and uh, a row of six fireworks launch at that very moment and shoot out the controls of a giant um, boom lift. Is that what they're called? Well, it's like a, it's a bit of a swerve here because you think that the fireworks are going to shoot directly into Ian and they, they zoom past him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he thinks he's invincible. And of course, no, they, they hit into this boom lift that's right behind him. Yeah. And, and what it has on the top of it looks like a basketball hoop backstop for some reason. <laughs> they, 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 they're retiring the town flag. I don't know. It won a championship. I don't know what that is. Yeah. That thing, that thing just like swats him like a, like a hand with a fly. <laughs> well, does. and, and they set it up like it's, it's almost like a guillotine. Like yeah. it's going to be like, you know, once again, Final Destination 3 is subverting our expectations. It looks like it should just bisect him. Yeah. Um, like that uh, pane of glass in, uh, uh, is it 13 Ghosts? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 And yet it just smushes him, kind yeah. of, and breaks him in half, which <laughs> this movie loves to break people in half. It does. It likes to smush parts of them and leave <laughs> the rest. It likes leftovers. But he does flip us off in true 90s slash early 2000s horror fashion. <laughs> and so uh, it is after this that we get the card five months later. <laughs> We're in a, a subway. It's showtime. And someone's playing a song that, they, that, that they've gone back to a couple different times. I don't know what the song is. I don't care. But uh, Wendy's very freaked out. She tries to get off the subway train. She can't. Turns out her sister's on the same train. Well, that's a quinky dink. When she tries to introduce them to her college roommates or college roommates, I don't know. They all live together in a polycule. I don't know what their deal is. One <laughs> of them is open. Corey Monteith from fucking Glee. He looks like a baby in this. He's the youngest person by a country fucking mile in this thing. <laughs> Yeah, she's a she's like like how would you not know your sister's in the same city as you? Yeah, like she just casually runs into her on the subway. 
Like you're probably following her MySpace. She probably posted about it. That's what we were all doing in 2005, posting our locations on MySpace. That's right. Um, and then and not only is Julie there, but Kevin's fucking there. And he's like, oh, I came for the game. The game. game. We're not told. Well, the game that apparently has people dressing up like Kratos from uh, <laughs> God of War. God of War. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the guy that runs into Julie that stops her from getting off the trainer. I'm sorry, Wendy, mm-hmm. um, like has half his face painted like he's Kratos. It's very yeah. strange. And he's the one who tried to throw away a candy bar, but it turns out it falls down on the tracks. And then a rat's like, I'm going to eat that candy bar. And yeah. that rat gets electrocuted by uh, some loose wires because this town is just fu- as fucked up as the last one that yep. went to left. <laughs> Telling you co- maintenance people. Now, why that electrical charge causes a, a track shift ahead of them when they've already left that station? <laughs> that I don't fucking know. That's I can't. Right. I, I don't. I don't know how trains work. Everyone. That, so um, that didn't track for me. That that would have been like two and a half miles up the up the track that yeah. it affected. That makes absolutely no sense. No, now, no I'm no train expert, but. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not how it works. Although there is less of the lights going out in the middle of this train trip as there were in Scream 6, though, Gina. So there's there's some amount of realism for you. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, if a little a little piece of garbage would throw the would derail a subway train, there there would be constant death and disaster every day. <laughs> you, you would not be alive right no, now. Every no. rat who got electrocuted, you know, crashed a train. There's just no fucking way. No. Um, also, I don't think it's believable that somebody would throw away half a candy bar. God damn it. If you were raised the way that I did, you finished that whole thing. It's chocolate. That's good stuff, man. What, what you, you can't take a candy bar on the fucking train? That's not really how subways work. Uh, As no my dad that. would say, if you don't eat that for dinner, you're having it for breakfast. <laughs> and so uh, during this crash that eventually happens because the train separates, it looks like they... Might have reused some footage from Money Train. I'm not particularly sure. <laughs> uh, Julie gets obliterated by a train wheel. She just just yeah. gets just cartoonishly splattered, which of yeah. course ends up on Wendy's face. Then Kevin <laughs> gets thrown into a window and somehow bisected. Gina, does this count as a get bunked? Because he goes through the window and then dies. Oh, I mean, does it count if it's a if it's an accident or does somebody else have to like? It's not an accident. Your- this is death's design. Death wanted him to die this way. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, would somebody else have to pull him through the window or to count it as a get bonked? Death pulled him through the window and gravity. Fair and, point. Yes. So I'm I'm saying it's a get. If, if you want that, if you want that bad for it to be a get bonked, then let it be a get bonked. I'm Gina, fine with that. this is this is the part of the show that's my sexual gratification. <laughs> I need to <laughs> otherwise it doesn't quite work for me. Um, this to me had a whole vibe like it was like a space shuttle or something. It's like, why is there a vacuum outside the train? Yeah, he's just like sucked out of the window. Yeah. Like, like, like it's suddenly like 30,000 feet in the air. Yeah, the like, end of yes. Alien 3. He's going to be sucked through a pinhole. So, um, this, and then she, you know, gets launched out of the broken half of this train. She breaks a leg and she's on the tracks and she's trying to move. And oh no, 
She's on the other subway trains tracks. And then she gets a face full of train, but rewind. Oh no, it was all a vision, but it's too late. They can't get off. And then the, the movie just goes, all right, we've had enough and goes to black. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're, in, we're in an hour 30. Stop right here. You've seen enough. Have some Tommy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Singing the most morbid fucking version oh, God. of Love Train I've ever heard in my life. Like, it was truly, painful. the license holders of that, of, of that song should sue and they should win. It's terrible. <laughs> but speaking of terrible things that happen to people, it is time to choose our own death venture. And that is where we decide of the many deaths portrayed in this motion picture. If we were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would we choose and why up for bid here, we have cooked alive inside a tanning bed times two. We have die in a roller coaster somehow. I mean, a bunch of people fall off and shit like there's that. Um, we have a, a shredded uh, brain via truck engine. Uh, we have heads smashed in by weights. Now, you manipulate those weights, so you have to be very strong in order to do that. Uh, you could get nail gunned in the back of the head, a flag pulled to death, squashed by a boom lift cage, obliterated by a train wheel, bisected by train window in a get bunk situation, in my estimation, and subway train to the face. And our guests, of course, always go first. Scott... We came to you second for your final destination revelation. So now we're going to you first for choose your own death venture. What say you? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm tempted to say Lewis and the weights only because, you know, it'd be instantaneous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Kevin in the roller coaster fantasy at the beginning, because I like the idea of going, you all thought I was going to get impaled. I'm gonna, no, I'm going to get split in half. <laughs> Take that, everybody. Sure. So, yeah, I'll go with Kevin in the uh, roller coaster fantasy. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Dennis, what say you? Well, I was, I, I don't know. I, I was going to say flagpole through the chest mm -hmm. just because do I get to choose which flag? Yes. I, I, I'm always remembered by. <laughs> That's the one thing about this. You're choosing your death and which flag you would yeah. be. Okay. You would so, have to, they would have to saw <laughs> off of you to put you in a coffin. I did all of my own research. So it would be the don't tread on me flag. Sure. I think would be great, but I'm not going to go that way. Perfect. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go with the, uh, the weightlifting one. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, the weights smashing my head because, um, you know, I'm known for all the working out that I do, all the exercise. You're known for I big get. muscles. Yeah, yeah, my big muscles in all the right places. So, uh, no, I'm obviously not known for that. I'm a weakling guy. So, yeah, to die at the hands of a weight machine, I think that's a good way to get sent off. Yeah, you, you find know, that people everyone that you're the big, strong boy you've all been telling us you are on that's your right. website. Makes people think you cared about yourself, and that's yeah. important. <laughs> uh, Gina, uh, it's your turn. What do you say? I, you know, I do like the nail gun through the back of the head death. I think that's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty badass. And also my, my family can sue the, my employer for the many OSHA violations yes. that are, <laughs> that are taking place and, and live comfortably in their, in their time of mourning. They do get a parachute out of this. I really do like that part. That's great. 
Um, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, the, there are a lot of uh, quick deaths here. That's for sure. But I think I have to go with shredded brain via truck engine because I would finally die like I lived waiting for my burger <laughs> to come out. Would you, would you, but you'd have to wear the like no fat chicks medallion. Oh, 100%. I mean, people know how I do this podcast naked and with that trucker hot chick. <laughs> if there's the one thing Patrick's wear. known for. <laughs> everyone knows it. Everyone talks about it. Um, so before we go, uh, Scott and Dennis, tell everyone where they can find your show and what it's about. Um, well, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Inside the Idiot Box. It's a podcast where Scott uh, and myself and our good friends Jeff Griffith and Josh Parker uh, choose random old television shows that we haven't seen in decades or maybe have never seen. Maybe they're shows that we uh, that, that we hear about and they go, hey, that'd be a, a great show to watch together and make fun of. Um, but the point of the show is just to, to see if these shows that we remember so fondly still hold up uh, after many, many years. And uh, nine times out of ten, the answer is... No. And much like Final Destination 3, we watch one episode and form an opinion about the entire series based on that <laughs> and yeah. never watch another episode. That's our prerogative. No. Um, so, yeah, you can check it out. It's on all the podcast platforms. Um, we do have socials, but we're not really up on it all that much inside the idiot box uh, at uh, Instagram and uh, inside idiot box at, uh, at Twitter because... Uh, there are too many characters to add the damn you, Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> so if you bought Twitter, fix, blue, everything else has been going great there. there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, and we, we have uh, two seasons in the, the bag so far and we're working on a third. We took a little bit of time off. So uh, uh, by the time people hear this episode, we still maybe haven't uh, debuted season three, but it's coming. I, I promise we recorded some and, and it's coming soon. So. And there's some fun stuff in there. We do a uh, Hardy Boys Halloween special with our very own Patrick Hamilton. That's yeah. true. Yeah, which is a lot so of fun. A yes, lot of fun. I, I picked an episode that I thought was one thing and it turned out to be something else. But the, <laughs> the, the good news is you get to hear the hell of it from Phantom of the Paradise song oh. over and over. And over, over and over, over again. again. And every time you see so, uh, the castle Dracula, uh, a werewolf howls. Every that's time. true. <laughs> and then every time that happens, we drink. It's fun. Right. It's a game. It's and a we game. almost died. And that is Inside <laughs> the Idiot Box. Gina, where can people find you? on these here internets. I write about television and movies at the spool.net. Uh, I have a sub stack in which I also write about uh, mostly movies there. That's Gina watches things.substack.com. And I am on Twitter under Gina does things. Yeah. Uh, do it today. People check it out. You know where to find us on socials, rate and review us on iTunes. Just tell them that we're like the best thing ever. Like you don't have to give your real opinion. You, you can lie and say we're great. Uh, we'd love to hear from you that way. Uh, support us on Patreon, where we do special things like we have a chat by chat where we, we answer your questions. We do bonus episodes every single month and every other month, your listener's choice. And we do commentaries and we're talking through and over Friday the 13th movies right now for your listening pleasure. But that just about does it for everybody. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. For myself, for Dennis, for Scott, and Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
Anna Satterfield and oh, fuck, what is going on with my goddamn nose? Hold on a second. Are we so old that you don't remember our names? No, it's oh. written right in front of me, Dennis. <laughs> this is the thing. So maybe I should there's be able something, to read what's right nothing, in front of me. It's not I'm still, still doing better by than my Jeff. nose. I can't. It's pay your attention. eyes. If you can't read, it's your okay. eyes. Yes, don't read it, with your nose. Well, I, that's how you read, Dennis. Do I have to draw a map? Come on. <laughs> Listen, there did you are smell five something? sentences. Your nose reads. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, here we go. 